Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. But today we're going to talk about Mary and Joseph and, and, and their journey. Um, but uh, when I was 15 years old, I took a trip with my friend. His name was PJ, and, and he was one of, one of my youth leaders. How many of you in here, growing up, you had a great youth leader that just made a big impact in your life? Uh, a few of you. Man, there's nothing like a good youth group with good youth leaders that make a difference. And so I had one of those. I had one of those guys that just, he didn't just hang out with me at, at youth on Wednesday nights. We would do trips, camping trips and skiing trips. And, and, and this trip that I'm about to tell you about together. And so we had this whole trip planned. Um, we were both kind of adventure uh, junkies, and so uh, we had this trip planned to go down to Key West in his two-door Toyota pickup uh, before they were called Tacomas, you know what I mean? And so, and, and we were gonna drive all the way down there to Key West, and he had a friend who, who was a professor at a university as a marine biologist. And this marine biologist volunteered on a snorkeling catamaran during, during the summer. And so we were gonna go and spend a week with him on this catamaran for free, doing nothing but snorkeling eight hours a day on coral reefs. How many of you, that sounds like a pretty good life right there. And so I had grown up in the, the, the Ozarks of Missouri. I had, I, I, I had seen the ocean like once, but I had always dreamed of being in these crystal clear waters, seeing all the fish and everything, and I had never experienced that. Right, I'd seen it on TV, always dreamt of it. And so I was beyond excited for this trip. And so one Sunday after church, we jump in his truck, and we take off, and we drive all day, and we drive all night. And how many of you know he drove, because I was only 15, and, and so, but we had a great time all the way down. We get all the way down to Miami, Florida. And we're just driving through, and we're, we stopped to get some gas, and, and we're just hanging, and we're like, something is going on. Something is different. And all of a sudden, we, we turn on the radio and realize that, that there's a hurricane inbound. Somehow, we had not heard about this. You know, this was before weather.com. This was before uh, apps. Uh, we, 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 we didn't even have a cell phone. You know, and, and so some of you are like, how did your mom let you go on this trip without a cell phone? And yeah, but that was just the day that we lived in. And so, um, and so there's a hurricane coming in, and they literally had closed the bridges to Key West. So even if we were feeling really rebellious, even if we were feeling like we're just going to go anyway and just see what happens, we literally could not have gotten to our destination. And how many of you know, I was just absolutely heartbroken. I'm like, we drove all this way. Florida is really, really long. You know, I had never driven that far in my entire life, all to get there and find out that I could not keep going. And so we did what any um, you know, young adult and, and teenager would do. We turned around and went up the coastal highway all the way north up Florida, we were headed towards his parents in, in, in South Carolina, and we stopped at every beach we could along the way and boogie boarded. And so the last place we boogie boarded was St. Augustine, about an hour and a half before the hurricane hit there. Let me tell you, that was some boogie boarding, right? The waves were huge. And it was like, as we went north up the coast, the hurricane landing point kept getting further north, and we just missed it. But it was an amazing story, but I, I, I just want to share that story to illustrate the point that sometimes in life you come to an impasse. 
you've been on a journey, you've, you've been excited, you've had ups, you've had downs, but you get to this point where you realize you just can't go any further. And sometimes your plans get completely intercepted by something that is impassable. Just like me and my friend did that day, the, the bridge was not passable, shut down. And I can imagine that, that some of these types of feelings, obviously different in circumstance and, and different in severity, but some of these kind of feelings and more happen in the lives of, of Joseph and Mary when their lives were turned upside down by a coming baby. They were excited about the wedding. They were excited about life. They were probably dreaming about the kids that they were going to have, just not this soon. And we know that, that back then, you know, 2,000 years ago, many marriages were arranged, and, and, but we know that there must have been some real love going on based on what we see in the story. And so they're excited about life, they're excited about the wedding, and then they were hit with a curveball. They were hit with some news. They were hit with circumstances that were unavoidable, impossible, impassable, and would change their life forever. They were hit with something that literally, is, they couldn't just ignore it and act like it wasn't happening. They, they couldn't just act like they never heard the news. No, they had to do something with the news that was given them. And today I want you to understand that the good news, and some of you are like, what in the world is the good news? Hey, we're gonna talk about that today. But the good news cannot be ignored. If there's anything you cannot do with the good news of Jesus Christ and the fact that he came to save us, if there's something you cannot do with it, you cannot ignore it. You can't. When you encounter it, you have to do something with it. That's just the nature of what it is. You have to respond one way or another. That's why I believe in the beginning of, of the book of Luke that we started in last week with the story of Zechariah. And Sobe mentioned this verse in, in, the, in the very first few verses. Verse number four, it says, he wrote this so that you could be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. You see, Luke wasn't just writing a book to share some historical facts and, or, or to, and to share some stories about what his life you know, was like just so people in the future would know. No. This was a book written so that you and I could be certain, completely convinced, that what happened through the life of Jesus was real, and it was not only for then, but it was for you today and everyone that comes after in the future. This isn't just some fairy tale given to us you know, to give us all the feels at Christmas time, just so we can go bonkers with pumpkin spice and, and garland and tinsel and, and, and all the other stuff that we celebrate with this time of year? No. It was very real. Isaiah seven fourteen, the prophecy about what was gonna happen, it says, look. So basically, like, listen up, look. The virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and We'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
Now, last week, Sobe, he kind of made a big deal about this and, and, and called it the Joe translation. I wouldn't go that far, right? Um, it, it's not a translation. It's more like a paraphrase. Probably, it's probably a little strong to call it a translation. It's more like a paraphrase that applies this concept of Jesus' arrival to earth and what it signified to our everyday life. And so if I were to put it in our vernacular, because obviously, you know, um, you're not con- going to concede the child and you're not going to give Jesus his name. But the effects of this and what it means for every single life and every single person in this room is this. Listen up. And if you're sitting here today, if you came and decided to come to church today, listen up. Something impossible is going to happen in your life. And your future will look completely different than your past. Some of you need to get that in your heart and in your life, that something impossible can happen in your life. And your future can look completely different than your past looks. Wow. Listen, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the story. Not just that Jesus came as a, as a baby, as a sweet little baby in, a, in swaddling clothes and in a manger. Not just that. No. The applied truth to your life as a result is that your life can be different. Different. Some of you have lived enough life now and you've made made enough bad choices to think that that's impossible. You've made enough mistakes that you don't think that anything that could happen in the future could redeem what you've done in the past. And if I came here for any reason today, it's to tell you that that thought process is wrong. And your future can be different. That's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at Mary and Joseph and their responses. Think about it. Think about it. The first two people to respond to the good news. The first people that experience the unavoidable nature of the gospel. Unavoidable. And what we see in both of their lives are two things that really are the foundation of the relationship that you and I can have with Jesus. Those two things, and I want you to write them in your notes, are faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. And we can't separate the two. And the unavoidable questions that we encounter when it comes to the gospel are, will I believe? That's question number one. And question number two is, will I follow? It doesn't get more just down to the irreducibles than this. Will I believe and will I follow? You see, many times we associate good news in general with a feeling. You know, like, like sometimes things that make the news, you know, like just think about this. In our society and in the height of our, you know, evolution or whatever you want to call it, viral cat videos have made the news. Right? And so, and I know some of you like cats. Some of you really, really like cats, right? I'm not pointing at anybody in particular today. But, right? Those just make you feel good. That's news that just gives you a good feeling, but it really doesn't impact your life past that feeling. But the good news of Jesus Christ requires a response that moves way beyond feelings. And it really comes down to, will I believe and will I follow? Will I believe and will I follow? 
And so the first thing that we see, and in, in, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 today, so you can turn in your Bibles there. The first thing we see is that the good news is intentional and on purpose, but undeserved. It's very intentional, it's very on purpose, but it's very undeserved in our lives. Luke 1, 26 through 28, in the sixth month, I just love how specific that is, right? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I love how specific Luke was. He said, the sixth month. You may not know this, but priestly duties in anybody that was going to operate as a rabbi or as a priest back in those days, they didn't start until you were 30 years old. And so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Pastor Sobe talked about Elizabeth getting pregnant with John the Baptist last week and that whole ordeal with Zechariah. Well, this means that when John the Baptist started his preaching ministry, he was going to be about 30 years old, six months before Jesus started his ministry. And so the timing was impeccable that this was at just the right time. It was very intentional. It was very on purpose. And then we see that it's going to, that, that, uh, God sent Gabriel to Nazareth, and it even had to say where it was. It was a village in Galilee. Why? Because it was such a small village that it's a good, there's a good chance some people don't even know where it is. And so he sent, God sends this angel to this nowhere place to deliver the news. To who? To a descendant of David, right? She was going to be married to Joseph. God was intimately involved in this plan for a very long time. David had been king of Israel hundreds of years before this happened. And then we see that the favor of God was on her life. And so this was on purpose. This was very intentional. God showed up to a specific person at a specific time to deliver news. And, but the favor that God was placing on her life was undeserved. Then it says in Luke 2, 1 through 4, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census where Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all returned to their, their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And so we see all these pieces coming together that tells us this wasn't just some fluke event. It wasn't, no, this was in the works. This was in the plan for a long time. Why does it tell us about this, this, this census and everything that's happening? Think about it. The fact that the very choices of the Roman emperor at that time, who was regarded to be the most powerful person in the entire world at that time, that God would go to such lengths to show up in our lives and to fulfill the prophecies that he had made. And so in God's providence, the Roman emperor set in motion the events that would bring about the Messiah and where he was to be born. 
This was probably a huge inconvenience to Joseph and, and definitely was to Mary because by the time they set out for Bethlehem, she was always already very pregnant. But what I want to underline to you and to me today is that it was all very intentional, very on purpose, had been in the works for a long time. Can I just encourage you? There hasn't been a day since you were conceived in your mother's womb that God wasn't intentionally planning and intentionally having a purpose for your life, for you to know him, to be loved by him, for the favor of God to be on your life, and for, for the good news to be presented to you. In the same way that God had been orchestrating these events for hundreds of years, God wants to show up in your life. And his timing is always right. And his word to you is always on purpose. You might say, Joe, well, you don't know what's happened in my life. How could that be God's plan? And I would just say, hey, sin was never God's plan for you. Sin was never God's plan for you. If you've been sinned against, if horrible things have happened to you in your life, that's not God's plan. But God can work in all of that to redeem your story, to give you purpose, to intentionally show up in your life at just the right time and declare his favor in your life. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2, it says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, Paul says, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. In the same way that God showed up to Mary and Joseph, which we're going to see in a minute. God shows up in your life, and he says, you have purpose. You have purpose. I've got a plan for you. I want to pour out my favor on your life, right? And today, whenever you hear that message, is the day for salvation. Number two, the second thing we see about the good news in these stories is that the good news isn't passive. It cannot be ignored. In the same way that I showed up to the bridges of Key West and I couldn't get there, right? Couldn't get there. You know, you can't, be the same after you hear about the good news. Let's check this out. Luke 1, 29 through 34. We'll jump back into the story of Mary. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, but his kingdom will never end. Isn't that amazing? Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. So the first things that we see in this passage is that she's confused and disturbed even. Those are pretty strong words. Can you imagine the weight of all those details that the angel just just dumps on her in a moment's notice that 
you found favor with God, you're going to conceive. Hey, you don't get to pick the name. You know, some of you moms, that'd be all you're thinking about. What? I don't even get to pick the name? That's the best part, right? He's going to be the son of God. He's going to have the throne of David. He's going to reign over Israel. It's going to be an everlasting kingdom. You see, as the angel spoke to Mary, the stakes kept getting higher. And as the angel spoke, that last part that the angel said sealed the deal. She was going to be the mother of the Messiah. She couldn't have heard something like that and not responded. You know, when you were little or in elementary school, you might have gotten these notes that said check yes or no. Anybody ever get one of those? Come on now. Anybody ever get one? See, the really cool thing about elementary school is that you get one of those notes and, and, and you could just like shove it in your pocket and get home and burn it and, and act like it never happened. And, and as, as a really young, awkward, embarrassed individual, you know, you're like the worst thing that could happen is that somebody finds out that you got that note and words start to spread, right? And so maybe at some point you got one of those notes and you just ignored it and no one ever knew and, and, and there was no harm, no foul, right? You saved face amongst the school and, and you might have even liked that person, but just the thought of other people knowing absolutely terrified you. Can anybody relate with that? Come on, let's be honest today. So some things you can ignore. Some impactful messages in your life, hey, you could just act like they never happened and maybe the word will never get out. But how many of you know when Mary hears a message like this, there's no ignoring it. There's no ignoring the child growing in her belly. There's no ignoring the weight and the, the, the impact of the message. She could not have heard something like this and not responded. Her question wasn't as, as much doubt when she said, how could this be? It was genuine inability to understand how in the world this could ever even happen. Listen, you and I have been offered a salvation that is just as miraculous. If there's one thing as a pastor that I could help, that I, that I would want to help everybody understand that comes to know Jesus is that your salvation and the fact that you can step over from death to life, from, a, to, from being a, a through and through sinner like, like we all are to someone who is redeemed and forgiven and whose heart is made white as snow in the eyes of our Father in heaven, the fact that you can make that leap is an absolute miracle. Amen? It's a miracle. God so loved you that he sent his son. He paid your sin debt. He died for you on a cross. And because of that, now you're this joint heir with Christ. You're going to inherit everything that Christ as the son of God has inherited. Your eternity can be secure. Your future can look completely different than your past. You see, when you hear a message like this, just as, as, as Mary couldn't ignore it, you can't ignore it either. Why? Because God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, became God with us. He did that to get all up in our business in a way that cannot be ignored. Some of you have been running. You've been trying to ignore it. You've been trying to just act like it, it may not be true. But the Holy Spirit is whispering, whispering to your heart today. 
You can't run any longer. It can't be ignored. You see, when it comes to the good news, we have to respond. A non-response is a response. A gospel without a response is simply a gospel not understood. So I want to encourage you, just like Mary did, to keep asking questions. Keep seeking. You see, this news created a huge predicament in the lives of Joseph and Mary. Why? Because it's one of those things you can't unhear, especially when reality follows it. And so the central question of your life, and the one I want you to wrestle with today, is what will you do with Jesus? And I want you to think about it in the context that Mary was in. She had to respond, because soon after that, a baby started growing in her belly. So think about it like that. You have to respond. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to something that cannot be ignored? But how can this happen, she said. I'm a virgin. Hey, you could ask the same type of question. How could this happen? I'm a sinner. I don't deserve God's grace. I don't understand it. I don't understand how in the world it's going to happen that God is going to take me and how I've been and make me clean. Amen? Hebrews 4.2 says, For this good news that God prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. See, you can act like you didn't hear it, but you'll miss out. So don't turn your ears off. Don't turn away today. Treat the gospel as it is, as something that can't be ignored, and make a decision. Number three, the good news isn't just about being good. It's about being obedient. It's about being obedient. And so when we think about these questions, will I believe and will I follow? We got to remember, the good news isn't just about being good. It's about being obedient. So Mary and Joseph, they were engaged. But then it became obvious that Mary was pregnant. And so we jump over to the Joseph side of the story in Matthew 1, 19 through 25, and something similar happens to Joseph that happened to Mary. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Let me translate. He was a good dude, right? He was a good dude. He, he did the right thing. And, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly, right? As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, and we go back to that prophecy in Isaiah that was written hundreds of years before, and it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Listen, Joseph was a good dude. He was a good man. He was a righteous man. Even before any of this ever happened, he did the right thing. 
But if he had settled for being a good man, he would have never stayed with Mary. If he settled and just did the, the, the right thing according to his cultural standards and according to, to what should have happened, right? He would have missed out on God's best for his life. Listen, you can be good at something and you can be a good person on your own. You don't need Jesus for that. You probably know some good people and you say, oh yeah, so-and-so, man, they're, they're a great person. They're a good, here's today's vernacular, they're a good human, right? Don't you just love that? And it's nice when people say that about you. Oh, they're a good human. They're, they're just, oh, that's good people. Joseph was good people. But obedience that we see through Joseph's life, obedience only happens as the response to the request of another. And so when Jesus shows up in your life and, and you hear the good news and you hear that he's inviting you into this relationship with him, you know, he's inviting you into his plan, not the other way around. <laughs> he shows up in Joseph and Mary's life and proclaims what's going to happen. And there, there wasn't even really an option for them, right? It was like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Let's go, Right? Now, you and I, we get to choose, and God has afforded us that option. But I just want to challenge you today. You being good on your own is not the goal. Don't settle for good when you could have the best. And see, the gospel, that you can be saved, man, it's a free gift. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves so that no one can boast. It's the gift of God. And so you can't do anything to earn your salvation, but man, I would challenge you if anything after you receive that salvation falls short of total and complete obedience. Amen? And you're not saved by doing the right thing, but it is the direct byproduct of a changed life. And so we see that there's, there's people that believe, and what happens after a person believes? They follow. They obey. They do what God is asking them to do because we've been invited into God's story and to do things on his page, not our page. In fact, in the end, if you're nothing but good, that won't get you anywhere. Only the saving work of Jesus Christ will get you where you need to be in the end. And so it's a both and always that I'm gonna believe and accept the word that is given to me by God and then I'm going to obey and do what God is asking me to do. Amen? Number four. We're going to wrap this up today. The good news requires obedience, not understanding. Man, why are we hitting this, this obedience thing again? Because so much of the time we don't obey and we don't do what God is asking us to do because we don't understand. But through the example of Mary and Joseph, we see that they didn't have to understand to obey. They didn't need all the answers. They had faith. Mary asked how, which I think is a legitimate question. How in the world is this going to happen, God? And, and God, in his grace, in Luke 1, 35 through 38, answered the question. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will, to be, born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more? 
Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And then the angel left her. Now, you might say, if an angel shows up, says this, and it all happens within the matter of just seconds, and then the angel's gone, it's like, I'm going to still have a lot of questions. And we pursue Jesus like this. We're like, I want to know the answer to every question I ever have. And, and, and I, just, I just want to know before I commit. You know, it's like, it's funny. We'll go to a timeshare presentation that lasts three hours. And we'll be like, let me sign on the dotted line. This sounds amazing. But we come to church for a few years and we're like, I don't know. Right? Right? Credit card company calls with this 0% interest deal, and we're like, sign me up. Jesus calls and offers our eternity secured, and we're like, but how do I know this is the real deal? Right? And yet Mary, after this encounter with the angel, is like, hey, I'm all in. God, I'm your servant. Here's my everything. Now we see from John chapter 3 that when Jesus tried to explain the Holy Spirit to Nicodemus, he didn't understand. And so we can deduce that Mary, having heard that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and that the power of the Most High would overshadow her and the baby's going to be holy, we can think that just because she heard it didn't necessarily mean she understood it. Come on, somebody. Man, I will be the first to admit that just because I'm a pastor and just because I read God's word a lot doesn't mean I understand everything, right? Sometimes you read something and you're like, huh? And that's when I ask the Holy Spirit, God, illuminate my heart. Shine your light on my mind and my ears so that I can, so that I can comprehend and understand what you're trying to tell me today, right? And so here's the point. The point wasn't necessarily understanding as it was obedience and following. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. And Mary really can be a model for all of us for responding to the good news. That we have a humble heart, that we yield, that we surrender, whatever you want to call it. When you hear the good news, your response is yes. God, whatever your plans are for my life, whatever you want to do in me, however crazy it looks, whatever my friends think, whatever anybody else thinks, God, here's my reputation, here's my future, here's my choices, here's my dreams, it all belongs to you. I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you said about me come true. Joseph simply obeyed. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I can't imagine, church, the amount of questions they had, the lack of understanding they had as the events unfolded. There was no Google. There was no baby monitors. There was no what to expect when expecting book. There was no WebMD. There was no healthline.com. There was no online mom collective. There was nothing, right? They had the baby. They had the stable. They had the manger. They had some cloth. 
They did not have understanding. But what I have to believe, and this is what will close, and the band's going to come, we're going we're gonna to reflect on this word today as we listen to one more song. But what I have to believe based on what happened next throughout the story of Jesus is that the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ overcame their need for understanding. Come on, somebody needs to get this in their heart and their life today. The presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ overcame their need for understanding. Fill in those blanks today. His presence resulted in their trust. Some of you need to get this, that when Jesus shows up in your life, you don't need to understand the question to every question that you have about life. You just need his presence. And you say, Joe, you're oversimplifying it majorly. Hey, listen, the gospel is simple. He is God with us. He is God in you. He is wanting to live in your heart. So sometimes we don't need more understanding. We need more obedience. This needs to happen for someone today. Is that person you? Remember, let's go through these points again just with some different words. Number one, Jesus loved you on purpose. He loved you. Undeserved grace. He loves you just like you are, and he loves you way too much to keep you there where you're at. He's got a different future for you. Latch on to that today. Number two, don't ignore that love today. Don't ignore it. Don't treat it like it's just something that you can walk away and act like you never heard before. No, God's got a plan for your life. It cannot be ignored. A non-response is a response. Don't walk away from the best life that you could ever have by following Jesus. Number three, your goodness isn't enough. You can never be good enough to deserve heaven. It's only because Jesus came as a baby, lived a sinless life, and laid down his life for you on the cross that you can be free, that you can be forgiven, that you have a, can have a relationship with Jesus that begins now and lasts throughout eternity. And then number four, trust in the presence of Jesus as you follow Jesus. It's his presence that will get you through, not your understanding. You will go through things in life, you'll go through circumstances that are painful beyond all comprehension. And it's in those moments when you feel it at your loneliest, when you feel abandoned, when you feel like no one sees you, that the presence of God will allow you to keep being obedient to the word of God, amen? Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.